Welcome to Six Degrees Within YGK, a podcast where we get everyone within the YGK area where we talk about health, fitness, and overall balance of life. I'm your host, Bob Payne, owner of CrossFit Limestone and Limestone Athletics. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Six Degrees within YGK. Today we got our guest, Alexis. Welcome on to the show here, Alexis. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. Um, for anyone who hasn't met Alexis, um, she's been with us at the gym for... Since five, April 2014. Six, six seven, seven, years. seven years. Wow, okay, even longer than what I was going to say. Um, the time that you normally come to, I would say you're all over usually in the daytime and evening for coming to classes, right? Pretty much. Anything but 6 a.m. Anything yeah. but 6 a.m. Yeah, you're not a morning person. That's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> Just waking up and having your coffee at the time instead. Coffee's the priority. Coffee's priority. So, no, welcome on to the episode here. Um, so let's talk about you and let's talk about how you got involved with CrossFit. Because I will say, you've been, on, you've been to a few different um, competitions different um, modalities of training. So I want to jam on that first. So let's talk about kind of your life story and getting into training and like what was like your first thing you got into and then we kind of go in there like going from like the powerlifting, strong woman, things like that. Uh, I think my first experiences with weightlifting were back in high school. Actually, we had a tiny little crappy weight gym in my high school. What high school was this? Uh, this was in London. This was uh, South, South Secondary in London, Ontario. And uh, I, I think my first weightlifting was basically just working out in there, not knowing what I was doing, no coaching. Uh, and I would be sort of lifting weights and bench pressing, and it's the junior football players in there. And every once in a while, the football coach would come in and go, hey, look what she's benching. Why aren't you guys doing that? Oh, nice. <laughs> like, just want to crawl. Yeah. It, was, it was great. Now, it was a huge compliment. But at the time, as a teenage girl, I just wanted to crawl in a ball and hide, right? Because <laughs> all of these guys are looking at me going, oh, great. Thanks a lot. Now, did you just start going there on your own? Or were you going there with a friend? Or like, what got you just to be like, hey, I want to start throwing some weights around? Uh, I think I was naturally strong and wanted to improve on it. Uh, it just interested me, and it was the thing I naturally gravitated to. Um, I, I discovered early I was, I was sort of built strong, but not fast. So I sort of moved towards what was comfortable for me and what I enjoyed and what I improved at really quickly. But after high school, I kind of left athletics behind a little bit. I did a little bit in university. I was a swimmer, nothing varsity or anything high level, just recreational. Uh, and it was actually uh, later on after I had my kids uh, that I started working out more. Uh, and it was after I had my twins uh, that I started working out at home. Uh, they would nap for an hour in the afternoon. I'd put them in their swings and just set them off flying in the swing. And I would do a video at home. And it would be, uh, I started off with just small stuff. And then I worked on something that was actually CrossFit-based at home. Uh, and what, that was, what was that. that? That was, it was the one by GSP, George St. Pierre. And uh, it's called Rush Fit. That's what it was called. Uh, and it was done by Eric Owings, who is a CrossFit trainer in New York City. And he and GSP teamed up and made this video series. Uh, and it was actually very CrossFit-based. So uh, I did that for about six months or so. Okay. Uh, now, just to jump in there. So yeah. would that have been, like, just more body weight stuff? Because, like, that would have been a very minimalist-type approach, like us yeah. doing our home wads in COVID. Like, very hey. much like that. Okay. Yeah. So it was just a dumbbell or two dumbbells. 
but there was a, a little bit of sort of fight moves, but lots of dumbbell work, lots of core work. So when I decided eventually I, I was heading back to work, kids were getting a little older, decided to try CrossFit. I was at another CrossFit gym in the city. So when I showed up there, I actually had some of the movement patterns down already, just not with a barbell. So I was there for about 18 months and then decided to move on to a, more of a strength gym, sort of moving back towards my, my natural, sort of what I gravitate to. Uh, and I was there for quite a while and, and building strength and doing powerlifting and things like that. I really enjoyed it, but I found I was really unbalanced. I was strong as fuck, but I couldn't move. <laughs> like I, I had no fitness. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's when I decided to change things up again and, and ended up here. Uh, I was already friends with Adam. No. And, That's uh, Adam Ferguson. Adam Ferguson, yeah. yeah I remember so. him telling me, he's like, yeah, I got a friend who wants to come try it. Yeah. And she's been focusing more on the powerlifting. So just in case anyone doesn't know powerlifting, it's bench press, deadlift, squat. Yes, yes. So I hadn't done any Olympic lifting before going to CrossFit. Uh, so that was brand new movements to me. But the powerlifting sort of came pretty naturally. So when I came here, I arrived at Limestone. I was quite strong, but I had no fitness level at all. I, was, I was, had no balance there. Yeah. Uh, and now I've found I've got a lot more, a lot more balance through the years and, and doing different things. Yeah. No, and I remember when you first started coming. Yeah, you were strong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> teaching you how to do, like, say, a power clean was mm -hmm. super easy. Um, but getting me to run was like get to light a grenade under my ass. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and throw that in the summer. We're going to do lots of running, right? And right. then just do some barbell cycling. Then you go for a run. It's a totally different ball game. Versus, Absolutely. like, in powerlifting, you – and this is the same in the sport of weightlifting, like the snatch and clean jerk. You do a couple reps. You do like a set of three, then you have a seat. You sit and play on your phone for five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a very different style of working out. Uh, and it was actually right around then that someone introduced me to Strongman as well. And I can't actually remember how I got connected with the Strongman group in town here called yeah. Clydesdale Power. Yeah, because that's run by Giles. Giles. Giles, Giles yeah. yeah, yeah, Giles Sharp. Uh, and I, I really wish I remember who uh, introduced me to Giles or told me about Giles. Because uh, I, I remember heading out there to train with him for the first time. Uh, I knew he was like a, a national, internationally uh, ranked strong man um, and uh, well known around town. Lives just outside of town. And I was heading out there to train for the first time, going out there by myself to some dude's garage out in the country. <laughs> kind of wondering, okay, okay what am I what's going on? Yeah. And I, I get in there, and there's just this old pile of iron weights and like strongman heaven, like everything you could ever want. It's probably like the old school rusty. Oh, uh, like metal. rusty iron Nothing. weights. It was just beautiful. And of course, uh, you know, me being sort of nervous, like I'm going out to this guy's plate. He turned out, of course, to be the nicest guy ever. He, he is like the nicest just guy. Just the right? nicest guy runs great competitions here in town and outside of town. So um, training there is very different as well because you just train for the events that you're going to do in your next comp. So I was training for a competition called Northern Giants, uh, which was the next one coming up. So I did uh, a bunch of the lifts, and he, he gave me lots of tips and tricks. And, and it wasn't really about building strength there. You're supposed to do that at your home gym. Mm -hmm. There so was you, just you were, about... Yeah, you're just going like one day a week then? Or yeah, just once a week. Yeah. yeah, just to practice the events that you're going to do uh, for your next comp. So Northern Giants uh, was early in the, the season for 2014. And I showed up there, and it was just three of us. Women's divisions tend to be pretty small in, in strong women. Uh, so one gal there had been to Kingston Strongest the year before, and I think she got second. And there was another uh, gal there from Brockville. So all three of us competed. So where was this competition? This was in Kingston. It was in Kingston. It was okay. in Kingston, yeah. Uh, and I ended up winning it. 
um, it totally unexpected. I went in just not knowing what to expect and never having compared myself anywhere in the sport. Um, and what I figured out quickly is that you couldn't rely on barbell numbers to know how you were going to do. It had nothing to do with barbell numbers because both of those gals could deadlift and bench and, and squat more than me. Um, it, was, it was more about generating sort of full body power. Well, and then that's why I love the strongman type stuff. Like, hey, let's yeah. pick up Atlas Stone. I've talked about sandbags. I love doing that yeah. stuff. But it's awkward. Like, it's awkward as it's fuck. It's awkward as fuck. Everything yeah. is awkward as fuck. Yeah, yeah and uh, I think that's why I love it because it's not like, hey, you, you can deadlift like 500 pounds, but you're having trouble picking up a 200-pound sandbag, right? And yeah. Like, I know you can, but, like, you have to learn how to manipulate it and stuff like that, and I love that. It's not comfortable, right? Training should not be comfortable. Yeah. And doing strongman training is not comfortable. This is all uncomfortable stuff. So we don't we don't put a barbell over our heads. We put a log, and it's a real log hollowed out with some handles put in it. So, so it's off center. So you have to choose which arm is stronger and make and put that on the heavier side, right? So it's it's all just very weird. Um, but and I, I and usually one okay. log won't weigh the same as the next year, right? Because that's exactly like it's exactly. not. Um, well, it's like Atlas stones. Usually they say, yeah, it's around 250-ish, right? And, exactly. Yeah. You go to approach a tire and you go, how much is this? They're like, I don't know, four or 500 pounds. You're like, thanks, great. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. super informative. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you never feel like more of a badass than when you flip a 500-pound tire. That's, that's just the best. Yeah. Um, so I competed uh, in that one, and I won it. It's kind of surprisingly. Uh, and then I went on to compete in Kingston's Strongest Woman for a bunch of years. Uh, never won it. <laughs> I was always the bridesmaid, never the bride on that one. That's okay. Because uh, I saw, I know I saw one. I don't know if I saw two. Yeah, I competed in 14, 15, 16, 17, I was injured. 18, I came back, but I was still injured. Um, 18 was kind of my, was my last one um, before I was sort of retired from the sport. Uh, and I, I actually did that competition with no training or prep. Uh, Actually, that's a funny story. I remember um, I usually hear a little bit through the grapevine who's going to compete in that one because I had competed well, in it you, for Like years. you said, not a lot of people. It's, it's like a, a small, small community. community. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I usually hear some buzz. Even if I'm not in it at the time, I hear some buzz about who's going to compete. And I heard nothing. Um, I was injured. Uh, I was coming off like pretty bad knee injuries and surgery. And uh, I messaged Giles. I think this was a Wednesday. And the comp was on a Saturday or Sunday. I said, do you have anybody for the women's division who's competing? He's like, I've got two signed up. I said, are you going to run it if only two are signed up? He said, probably not. He said, he like, just can't justify getting all the equipment and everything else. And I said, all right. So the thing about strong women is that the women's divisions are so small. I think the most I've ever seen is six people at a Kingston Strongest. If a woman's division disappears because of lack of participants, it usually never comes back. And I just didn't want to see that happen to the competition. So I said, all right, I'll do it. I'll be your token third. <laughs> I'll okay, see you. Yeah. I'll see you on the weekend. Just kind of show up okay? No, show up. Just fill out the ranks, and that's it. So <laughs> as it turns out, myself and only one other person showed up. And he said, because you've come, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run it. I'm just going to run it with two. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. So I went and introduced myself to the other participant. She was very cool. She was a trainer at Good Life, I think. Oh, I don't remember her name, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, but super nice, and we're like, let's just put on a show for them. You know, let's, it's, it's all for charity and stuff, too. So we, we ran our events, and we each won two events. Um, and I think I'd had the competition won. The last event was 
the plate, plate loading. So it was two 45-pound plates on the ground, 200-pound plates on the ground. You had to, one at a time, pick up each plate, run it to a bar, a chest-high bar, put it over the bar. That bar was about 20 feet away. So the first, the 45s went fine. The, the, the first 100-pound bar or first 100-pound plate, no problem, went over. The second one I picked up, ran it to the bar. And because I'm short, the bar was just a little bit higher than I would have loved. I put the plate up and over, and it caught and came back at me and landed on my foot. Oh. <laughs> so can you're I? You're already injured. and I was already injured, and now I've dropped a 100-pound plate on my foot. And uh, I thought I was there sort of wiggling my foot, seeing if it was okay for a minute. I looked, I watched the video back, and it was about four seconds. <laughs> so Time slowed down. Yeah. Time slowed down. It hurt like hell. I do not recommend it to a friend. Um, but I picked the plate up, put it back over the bar, but because of that time delay, we ended up in a tie. So we had to have a tiebreaker event. And I've got now like two broken toes, my knees are shot, I'm really tired. And I have a tiebreaker event and I'm like, I guarantee you it'll be squats. <laughs> With my shit knees, yeah. I guarantee you it'd be squats. Yeah, it was squats. So it was uh, maximum squats in 60 seconds at 285. So is this a back squat? Yeah, okay. but it's to pins. To be fair, it's not a full depth squat. It's to pins. About halfway down. So if it was 285 and a full squat, you would have gotten zero. <laughs> like that's my max, and yeah. I was tired. Now, is that, is that just called squats? Because I thought, would that be called um, not hack squats? What is it? Is that a different? I don't know the word. Because there is, because um, I've trained a little bit, tried doing it, messing around here where you do like the, it's like a quarter squat and like you, it gets your quads going because you go yes. a little bit heavier yeah. and you go a little bit faster. Done that stuff before. It's basically speed squats yeah. with 285. I had no idea if I could even do one with my knees being in the shape they were in. Uh, so I, well, okay, now you've got yourself into this mess, girl. Better get yourself out. No, you just yeah, out. I had you're a little talk with myself of like, okay, you you shot your mouth off and now you're in this, so you know, buck up and let's do this. So uh, so I did, and I, I ended up with about 18 of them. Uh, but sixty my, seconds. In sixty seconds, wow. I was toast. She did 20. This is the bonus of going first in strong women. So it's always uh, based on the previous event where you decide who goes first. There's no extra points for doing extra reps. So once you've won the event, you stop. So she knew exactly how many reps to get. But in all fairness, she still had to do the reps to get there. So she, she was absolutely strong as heck, and, and she worked so hard. We both did. It was a great comp, but it was one of those moments of like, I don't want to do this right now. I'm hurt. And, uh, and that was actually sort of a transition time for me because I was injured for quite a while there. And I'm not very good at being injured. You probably noticed. I yeah. still wanted to train the way I wanted to train and what everyone else was doing, and I couldn't. Uh, and eventually, I had to surrender to the process of being injured and just let myself heal. Um, but in doing so, I, I changed my training entirely because uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't come into the gym and squat every day. I couldn't come in and deadlift every day. I had to come in and just sometimes bike for 20 minutes, and that's all I could do. Yeah. So let's jump into that, because I know yeah. you, one of the things when we were talking before, what you want to talk about was your injury, because um, that's a totally different change, like a total, because um, being injured is such a mental thing, right? Very a lot much. of times, like, um, a lot of times, it's just like, okay, I just got to wait this out, but not being able to do what you want to do. 
because um, I'll flip it on me here for a moment, is like last year during COVID, when COVID started, I was dealing with some sciatica. And when COVID, like we just shut down the gym, I was like, screw this, I'm going to keep training, right? And I shouldn't have. And I became so injured that I couldn't even walk, right? And I must have torn some stuff, I don't know, just because um, there was no like sudden moment that like, boom, you're hurt. There was nothing of that, but I just kept pushing it. And the reason why I'm kind of telling this is because gym shut down. There's so much uncertainty going on in the world. Like Tara, my wife, if anybody doesn't know her, she works over at Diane's, manages a restaurant. That shut down. The gym shut down. The world's shut down, right? And like the, we're coming to the gym every day, and everyone's like, um, everyone had to train at home, but like the one thing we were still able to come into the gym because it's like, well, it's, I'm paying rent still, so uh, I'm like I'm allowed to come in. I don't really give a shit what the government says. Hell yeah. And well, and every day I was coming in, but I was so injured that I couldn't do anything. So every day I'll come in, be like, okay, I'm going to try doing this. Couldn't do it. Try doing that. Couldn't do it. And it was such a like I had no release at that time, and being injured sucked, but. The mental side of it, like, you couldn't do what you wanted to do, right? And I think that was the hardest thing. Like, I, it was so bad that, like, I couldn't even walk my dogs. Like, I, I'll be in so much pain in my hip and all that. Like, I remember t- I'd be like, okay, today I'm going to try doing push-ups. I get, like, seven in, and then, like, I just collapse to the ground. I'm so in so much pain, like, screaming in pain, right? And so, and that was kind of the hardest thing is, like, Tara, there were some, like, temper tantrums where I started throwing things around the gym because there's so much other stuff going on and won't get into, but... And that was the hardest part is the mental side. You just have to switch your whole course, right? That's exactly what I did is uh, I tore both the meniscus and my knees uh, doing an adventure race. <laughs> and uh, and I, it was a long time before I, well, was properly diagnosed because I had all these indicators that I was injured, but I would pass all of the tests, so to speak. Uh, so I just presented really weird. So it was a while before I got surgery to fix it. Surgery was very successful, but the recovery afterwards is so long, and I hadn't anticipated that. But it was it was kind of a uh, a transition in my mind, exactly to train injured, but also to change the kind of athlete that I was going to be, because I realized I probably wasn't going to be a strength athlete anymore. Uh, so it was a change in identity as well. Yeah. As an athlete. No, I was, I was going to bring that up because, like, you love throwing the weights around and everything, and all of a sudden you have to focus on endurance. Right? Yeah, right. Am I going to be an endurance athlete? Because that's not what I naturally gravitate to. I have a long torso, short legs, and long arms. I am built for deadlifting and swimming. Basically, that's it. I'm not built for running. But as I recovered, those were the things that I could do. I could row. I could bike. I could, well, I couldn't really run yet because of the impact. I could swim. Um, so I started coming to endurance class because that's what I could do. Uh, and I started loving endurance. I now own a rower, which if you told me five years ago I was going to own a rower, would I thought, <laughs> you're crazy. Or I'd go running. I would have told you you were crazy. Yeah, because I know you still love the barbell, but, like, when there's an endurance workout, I can see everyone has, like, their jams, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone is super excited when, like, oh, I'm looking forward to this workout. I can see that with you now with more of the endurance stuff. Like, the long, sweaty ones. Now, I know you still like the barbell heavy lifting. Like, oh, yeah. Like, you're never going to give that up. But <laughs> there was a time when, be like, okay, there's going to be 400-meter repeats. And you're like, like yeah. this is not my thing. Like, <laughs> like so I, uh, I think there was a couple times where you're like, look, can we just bring down the distance and stuff like that? Like yeah. we talked about that, right? So just so we get the same stimulus. But now you're like, no, let's go endurance. 
Let's, Let's go. go. Yeah, and and it was a an identity change. It wasn't just a, a process change or a situation change. It was an identity change that I had to become. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever count myself as an endurance athlete, but I had to learn to make that my play instead of my work. Now, how long did it take for that identity to change? I think it was a slow transition, probably over the span of a year or two, you know, recovering, realizing that you know, I, maybe I'll never hit a 300 back squat. That, that might not be in the cards, not because I couldn't do it, but because it wasn't worth the risk. And you're, you will probably find, too, the result of recovering from an injury and training is that the longest process for me has not been the recovery. It's been learning to trust my body and working out. It took a really long time to not train scared all the time. I was always scared I was going to hurt myself again. Mm -hmm. And you can't have fun and train when you're just scared about getting hurt all the time. That took longer than the actual injury recovery itself. Mm -hmm. Especially it's like, what, let's be honest, like you're not a professional athlete, right? And no. like being professional athletes, they're risking that, right? And that's part of the job, right? Um, like you've talked to any football player, they're injured all the time, but it's like, okay, managing, 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 right? And like, like you just said, you come in here, we have fun. And you want to make sure you leave walking away and be able to come again tomorrow because at the end of the day, getting that 300-pound back squat was the – like we want those goals and we all need those goals. But if the risk is a ways the reward, right, like because you're not getting paid to do that. Right. Exactly. And I still have to go to work and I still have to take care of family and I still got to like, all life this does stuff. not stop. Life does not stop just because I hurt myself at the gym. And at the time I was still doing a very physical job. So, you know, now it wouldn't be as big of a deal. My job isn't physical, but then it was. So uh, to have those injuries happen, it, it affects all parts of your life because it doesn't just hurt when you're working out or at the gym. It hurts all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and you'll know from having back pain. It doesn't just stop hurting because you stopped working out for that day. You're still in pain. It still affects your life. Well, they say in some studies have been released saying that like when someone hurts their back and then next time they hurt their back, they actually don't hurt their back. Like there's no structural anything going on. But what happens is that it's in that memory, right? It's that muscle memory. They're like, your body shuts down. They're like, hey, no, we've heard it before. So we're going to stop, mm -hmm. right? And, and so like, it's like if someone hurts their back, they're like, oh, I don't want to deadlift anymore because they hurt their back. Like they, this happens in the gym. So they hurt their back reaching into the dishwasher. Boom, body goes, they collapse on the ground, fetal position, they're out for a day or two. So when they come into the gym, they're like, hey, look, we're actually going to do some deadlifts. And the member's like, I've hurt my back before. I'm not comfortable deadlifting, right? But the amount of times people have hurt their back deadlifting in the gym is far less than when in real life, right? Just because, like, when you're in the gym, you have that mindset of, like, okay, I'm going to pick something heavy right now. I'm going to get tense. Your like, core is you're, tight. You're yep, You're thinking about it versus yeah. I'm reaching down, grabbing something, boom. Picking right? up a kid. Picking up a kid. Yeah. You can deadlift 300 pounds, fine, but you go pick up a 30-pound kid, and there goes your back. I, all the time. I've, I've hurt my back reaching for a bowl on a high covered. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, um, yeah, I'm like, we can probably go back and forth. Like, I hurt my back doing this. Once I was like helping my dad just like move along. I was like, oh, just kind of joke around. Dad, I got this. Boom, there goes my back. Yeah. Right. And there's like, okay, there goes like three days training out the window. Right. Exactly. But like, it's interesting because a lot of that, like even though you did hurt your back, but it's like you get so nervous 
right? And then a lot of times you kind of shut down before that happens. Like even today in the class, we had someone talking about like, oh, I hurt my back before and deadlifts always scare me. I think I claim pain before the pain kicks in, right? Training scared is no fun. Yeah, It's like, taken me a long time to trust my body again, mm-hmm. to and trust you, those things. And then you can't bring that intensity, right? Exactly. And then your play becomes work. And then you're not having any fun anymore. Yeah. Balance is gone. Yeah, and then you leave the gym more pissed off, right? Because yeah. that, that's why we all come here. We all come here for balance. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, um, no, that's crazy. Um, now, how is your knees doing now? Like They're actually great now. I had a little bit of uh, knee pain not too long ago, actually just before the last shutdown. Uh, but it wasn't my knee at all. It was actually my calf muscle and my IT band that got a little tight. But what happens is I feel, I feel the pain in my knee. Because my, as my physio says, it just sort of slams into protection mode and Going shuts. Going back to what we were saying. Then, yeah, right? yeah. So I, I had actually sort of just strained my calf and my, my quad a little bit in my IT band. But I felt all the pain in my knee, very much like I had when I was injured. I thought I had retorn it or re-injured it. Physio got me fixed up, as she always does. She's amazing. <laughs> I, have, I have the greatest physio. <laughs> she right. just, we, we depart each other's company each time. She's put me back together with, all right, see you next time I break myself. And yeah. she laughs and goes, yeah, okay. <laughs> so well, that's, that's awesome. Want to do a little shout-out? Who's your physio? Oh, Sharice Dennison at uh, Progress Physio. She's amazing. Okay, She's awesome. Amazing. How long yeah. have you been seeing her then? Uh, like since it, I started CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. well, and that's not a good plug-in for <laughs> the gym. That's not a good plug for the <laughs> yeah. CrossFit. No, yeah. no. It's, uh, I, I think, on and off since about 2015 or so. Now, was she the first person you saw about your knees? Yes, I think she was. I think I went to my doctor first because that was the, I sort of knew they were pretty injured at, originally. Uh, and uh, But like I said, because I kept passing all of the tests, right? There are some distinct tests for meniscus tear. And I would pass them. Uh, and I don't know why. We, we still, to this day, don't know why I would pass those tests. But I, I didn't get a scan for quite a while because I kept passing the tests. It keeps showing up as muscular, but it just wasn't getting better. How long did it take to when you finally got the official diagnosis? Six From months. Six months? Six months, yeah. The more than you, and you were doing an endurance race. Now, was yeah. there something that happened during endurance race, like one moment? Or at the end of it, you're like, something happened? So it was up and down a lot of hills. It was, uh, can I say the name of the endurance race? I, don't know. I, I, I won't. No, you can. Like it, it, was, was, uh, it was up and down a lot of hills. It was up and down uh, a mountain a few times um, over 16 kilometers. It was the descending the hill over and over again that I think did it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Going downhill is way harder. Way harder on my knees. Yeah. yeah. Well, because if you think about it, you're putting on the brakes, right, the whole time. Exactly. Like, cause done some hikes hike up a mountain going up everyone's like oh this is so hard it's, you're more <laughs> it's out of breath down. right <laughs> yeah. but coming down is that eccentric loading you're like you're just your quads are on you're constantly putting on the brakes and that's what leaves you sore yeah. even though you are going faster it's not so much on the lungs so you don't notice it right and um like even with our teens we do like stop and go stop and go we work a lot of that stuff um just because, like, you have to be able to stop on dime, change direction. So we work on a lot of deceleration. And a lot of them are like, this is hard on the knees. Like, well, you can only do it so much because it does get super hard on the joints. Right? Totally. So going downhill, that totally makes sense. What I've had to focus on also getting older, because uh, 40 hits hard. We've had this conversation before. <laughs> like, 40 hits hard. Holy cow. Uh, was I have to work on the dreaded mobility I, I have to stretch every day. I do yoga every day, or I just do my own stretches every day, or if I you know, get a free trial of something, I'll do that every day. 
I have to. When I don't, I hurt. I look like a 90-year-old getting out of bed. <laughs> but when I work on it, I actually feel pretty good. So. Well, um, how often do you do, like, how long is each stretching? Like, do you spend, like, 10 minutes, 20 minutes? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. I would say an average of about 20 minutes a day doing that. And sometimes I have to do it twice a day. It really depends what I did the day before. Um, but I'm trying to choose things that are sort of more outside. Now that the weather's good, I just got a paddleboard. So that's been really oh, fun. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I'll go for a walk in the woods instead of a run or, or something like that. Now, so I'm trying to choose woods and water a little bit more than just wads too. Okay. No, that's awesome. Cause I'm the same. Even, um, like, especially in this lockdown, I was just trying to get as much walking in there. Um, like Tara and I doing that. Now, do you find it a little bit easier to fit that time in? Because your kids are a little bit older. Yes. Uh, with older kids, life's way different. With younger kids, there's no balance. There's no rest. There's no chill. There's no nothing. It is just, I found for me, just exhaustion. It was just a lot of being tired. How old are your kids now? So I have a 14-year-old and I have two 10-year-olds. So I have twin 10-year-olds. Um, but they're all really independent kids, which is great. So I found a new balance now that I can leave them at home and I can come to the gym and I don't need a sitter and, and life is a lot easier and harder because they're online and they have social stuff with friends and, you know, kid drama and, and all kinds of stuff now. So while it's less physically tiring, it's much more emotionally tiring having older kids. But it does allow me the freedom to go go for a run when I feel like it or go train or go walk in the woods. Yeah, because there was times when, when your kids, the the twins, mm -hmm. Cameron and... Ryder. Ryder, yeah. yeah. When they would come in, because um, they'll come in with you. So sometimes you just have them sit off to the side. Now yeah. you don't need to do that because they can take care of themselves. Exactly. Right? So that makes it a lot easier, yeah. right? For sure, for sure. But with little kids, there's no there's no balance with little kids. But I, I, anyone who asks me, like, how do you do that with three kids? Well, when, I, when they were little, I was just exhausted. That was that. Mm -hmm. Now they're older, it's, it is a little bit physically easier to take care of them mm -hmm. because but, of that independence. Yeah, but then mentally. Mentally and emotionally, much more challenging. It's just the hormones are kicking. And ooh, hello. And the grocery bill? Oh, yeah. God. Where did they put it all? I don't understand. That and they, they'll go to school with a packed lunch and come home with most of their lunch. I just wasn't hungry. But when they're doing a school at home, they manage to have 16 snacks. Like, what is <laughs> did, did you find when COVID hit and they, um, like, shut down the schools that you're doing dishes, like, three, four times a day? Constantly. Yeah, like, with Tara. <laughs> so Tara has three kids. They're all older. And... The oldest stays with us, and sometimes the youngest one, Sydney, she goes back and forth. But I remember even with, like, when we just had Liam, the oldest, so he's 18 now. I was like... Oh, he's 18. He's 18, yeah, oh, and since Sydney's 15, like, right in that great hormonal age. Oh, I, yeah. And um, it was just, like, every day, like, man, I just did the dishes, like, half an hour ago. Why is the sink full again? Well, like, and do you guys not know where the dishwasher is by now? We've lived here a while. Yeah. Right. Well, because it's all sitting in the room, right? And then, and then they come up. They're like, "I need a new water glass." I'll be like, "There's 18 glasses in your room and your washroom." They're like, "Oh yeah, but those are dirty." I'll be like, "Yeah, exactly." Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you get you get the point now, guys? Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. All dirty. But then, like, yeah, it's a totally different game. Well, like, I, like Tara and I, we weren't together when our kids were little, but um, it's so fun. But I talked to my friends. And they all have like little kids, right? And they're all got like the toddlers and all that, and they're like, "Oh." Always oh, so physical, running around. 
And then I tell them, like, yeah, I'm dealing with, like, the hormones, the on their phones, lipping right back. Because, like, obviously, I'm not, I was no saint growing up. And I, like, there's times when I spoke back to my parents, but sometimes when Tara's kids do that, too. And they're great kids, but, like, obviously, they got their moments, right? I was like, man, like, did I talk like that? Like, it's a, and then it's mental warfare, right? Because you're dealing with the hormones, the yelling, and then uh, dealing with all that. It's totally different. Like, it's mentally more exhausting. Absolutely. And, and my, my kids are great. They're really funny and I love the people they're turning into. Um, but yeah, I could just like cheerfully walk away for half an hour when sometimes when they are getting the attitude and you're like, it's really emotionally draining. That's where the gym is great too. It's like, I am going to the gym. Bye. <laughs> like I just go out the door and go and just it out here yeah you know? well and that's what the gym is like your escape and that's what we always try to say is like come into the gym make it like the better part of your day um like like we can't say make it the best part of your day but like, well it's probably the best part of yeah day. well yeah well and like but but we come in there like forget everything at work forget everything that's going on at home and you're like put your phones away forget all that stuff right because everyone needs that escape because if you're going non-stop right and that's when it gets just so challenging. And you can't hang on to anger, frustration, upset when you're trying to pound out a sprint on an assault bike. You can't. You got to let it all go. No, no. And it feels really good. Yeah, and then that's when the death metal music goes up. Absolutely. The music's pounding and your legs are on fire and your lungs are on fire and you kind of want to throw up a little bit. And you're like, well, this is what I do for fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, but you look around the room, everyone else is kind of, I don't want to say suffering, but everyone else is like, they're in that pain cave. They're in that uncomfortable state, but like this brings that bond together, right? And like, and I think that's what makes like, like growing up playing sports or like training with other people. It creates that bond. That uncomfortable eh, when you're in that uncomfortable environment with other people, you create that bond with those people. We're all suffering together. We're all suffering together, because like in the gym here, because you make um, quite a few friends, right? I do. And um, like some of these people have totally different backgrounds. Right? Yeah, for sure. I didn't actually play sports as a kid. I was not a sports kid. Uh, and that's actually an identity change for me as well, is I never viewed myself as an athlete, even many years into lifting and strong women and CrossFit. I, I didn't view myself as an athlete. Um, and I had a couple of interactions with people here that I kind of went, huh, maybe I'm an athlete. Look at that. There was, I, I really wish I remember who it was, but you know, I, you'll look around in class some days and and see somebody else who's doing really well and go, wow, that's really inspirational. Maybe I just want to try and not, not like in a competitive or, or, you know, sketchy way, but just like, Hey, I, I kind of want to try and keep up with her. Or I, I want to just try and stay on the same round as him because they're doing really well. And that's, that's a good place, like a pace bunny that I can catch, you know, uh, they're aspirational for me. Uh, and I remember one day somebody came up to me and said, wow, you, you're doing really well there. I was just really trying to keep up to you. It had never occurred to me that I might be the person in the room someone's trying to keep up with. Not ever until this person said this to me. And I went, oh, wow, holy crap. It didn't occur to me. It's kind of a lightened moment, right? The, the lightened the light moment. And I think it was that you, you said something really poignant to me that was actually a big change for me as well when I was really struggling. I think I was injured or just recovering. My workouts weren't where they used to be. I was, you know, not having a great time. And you said to me something like, yeah, but you know what, Lex, even when you're having a bad day, you still do pretty well. I went, Holy shit. That never occurred to me either. <laughs> that I, I actually do okay even when, even when I'm having a bad day. I still do okay. 
Um, and that was a mindset shift for me. I'm like, wow, maybe, maybe I'm not just someone who comes to the gym. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm an athlete and I should start thinking myself of myself as an athlete. And that was really a cool moment for me where I said, well, maybe I can do other things and started getting more into the endurance and seeing the benefits of that and actually building a bit of an engine. And things. so the mindset shift has been just as much a part of it as the physical shift. Sure. Well, working out and training and all that, it's more mental than physical. 100%. My brain will quit far before my body ever quits. Yeah. Um, no, I, and I always say, yeah, it's because like I mentioned earlier, like we don't like being uncomfortable. And when yeah. we're uncomfortable, we want to stop, right? Yeah. You have to really focus to stay in a zone that's uncomfortable or you'll just sort of trend back to heart rate zone that's a little more comfortable for you you have to, you have to actually concentrate and, and stay in that place i think that's the nice part too is that you can't think about work you can't think about you know your brat kid at home you can't think about you know what your partner said to you the other day you have to just be here and you just have to put your brain here for a while um to do what you came here to do and make it fun um or else you start just thinking about all these other things and then it's it's just part of work. And the times that I've done the best at the gym, I've done my best training, I've been happiest, are when I keep my play, play. And when at times where my play has become work, I end up miserable <laughs> and not enjoying it. Now, do you, going back to the um, competition you did where you went in with zero expectations, do you <laughs> think that was part of it, why you did, like, like, you're like, hey, I end up winning this because you went in there with zero expectations. Yeah. I think so. And uh, <laughs> it sounds really weird, but one of the ways I have fun or allow myself to have fun on a workout, maybe there are days that I don't kind of want to work out. You know those days, like, nothing terribly wrong. You just don't sort of feel like it. Those are the days I have my best workouts because I gave myself permission to quit. <laughs> it sounds super counterintuitive. But what I actually do is say, listen, do five minutes. If you're still friggin' miserable, walk away. Don't worry about it. Or just, just like sandbag it a little bit. Don't go in that you're going to have to redline this workout. Just, just move. I'm Take just here to move. All the expectations. You don't need to All the expectations. If this absolutely sucks, cut the reps and leave. I don't care. And that permission to quit, that permission to not be perfect the, the taking the pressure off, because when you're a perfectionist, you always want to do your very, very best. Taking that pressure off just allows me to have fun. And I have some of my best workouts when I did not feel like working out at all mm -hmm. because of that. No, and I 100% see that because, like, there's days when, say, you get a PR in the gym, right? Come in the gym, I feel like a train wreck, didn't sleep the best, probably didn't eat well yesterday. Yeah, or yeah like an asshole, drinks. didn't sleep, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and then you come into the gym, you're sore, and be like, okay, I'm all going, I got hit snatches. Like, like, I really don't want to do this right now. You start hitting it, then all of a sudden you get a PR, lifetime PR. I have PR'd more times doing 10-minute EMOMs than I ever have setting out to go do a PR. Yeah. yeah. I always find, like, when you try and peek in a training, usually it doesn't happen. Yeah. And yeah. then, then a lot of people, when, as, when they come in there, they have that expectation. They come in there, and they're like, oh, I should have PR'd this time. And they're looking at, like, you, the coach, or the, like, the program. You're like, why didn't I? And you're like... Um, I don't know. Kind Good of, question. But, yeah, you're <laughs> like, uh, well, how was your training? Then you start asking all these questions. But a lot of times in like EMOM, so if people don't know what an EMOM is, like every minute on the minute, you do so many reps, right? And it's a great way 
they kind of get people just moving because the first couple sets are warm-ups and then you start building and half the time people don't even know how much weight they're doing. Well, I shouldn't say they have no idea, but there's like a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Yeah, you just throw in five or ten pounds on each time. It's incremental, lots of rest in between. And, and then suddenly I'm like, oh, geez, I, I'm not going to count anymore because I'm getting close. And, and it's that mindset, right? Because you know what your PR is. You know, I'm getting a little close. And within, you know, 80% of it, okay, that's going to feel heavy. Uh, and then I've, I've accidentally PR'd a couple of times, not realizing it counted afterwards. Like, well, would you look at that? Yeah. Huh, okay. <laughs> no, and that's like, and to me, I always have the mo- um, best training day, same as you, when you're having fun. Right, you and I, I, I relate it to like sports because we're talking about like hockey earlier, like well, Joe Thornton. Yeah. But but if you look at some of the teams that are having the most fun, they're winning. Right now, you could say they're winning because they're having fun, or they're having fun because they're winning. Like vice versa, right? Well, but, Habs fans are are all about it right now. I mean, yeah, yeah, who yeah. expected that? Right? I know, I'm like, a huge Habs fan. Holy yeah. cow! But I will say they're probably going to get steamrolled. I think you're going to get steamrolled yeah. by the Knights. Yeah, I think so, the Golden Knights might take this one. Yeah, uh, I think I, that, I think it'll take six or seven games, though. I do. Um, it's they just need Carey Price to be. Himself. Well, yeah, when he, when he, they need him to be a wall, he's a wall. So I I think he's good. Now, do you think teams like say in Toronto, the players have a hard time doing well there because it's Toronto because of the media? I know this gets talked about all the time. A lot of people say it. I I think so. I think so. Um, I, they, they obviously have a playoff issue, right? They obviously have a finishing issue. They don't have a season issue, they have a finishing issue. And that's kind of like PRs, right? Do, do you have what it takes to get into that 95% range when you need to, when you're forced to? And that's where it seems to be falling down. Yeah. Well, and then you get some young guys and they're in the spotlight, right? Versus then you get some teams down like in like Florida yeah. who aren't in the spotlight because because it's Florida hockey. Yeah, like yeah. there's like what there's skating rinks. Like in? California hockey. Yeah, like, like well, yeah. think about the times when um, L.A. Kings, San Jose, they're all just like they're just crushing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, players love playing down there, make good money, and they get left alone. Well, yeah, I, I, maybe a little bit of why Gretzky, right? He went from Hockey Town Canada to you know, down at the States where you could sort of just fade away a little bit. I don't know. Not fade away, but you know what I mean? Like out but of the spotlight. You, and yeah, and like you're out of the spotlight. And and I think that's with a lot of people, like they have a tough time in going back to those competitions and stuff. When you're in the spotlight, the pressure's on. Now, some people, they thrive under it, right? And those are the standout players that we will always see, like the Tom Brady and like stuff like that. They always will thrive under pressure. Yeah. And I think the times where I've had some pressure, I've done okay with it, but I don't, I, I don't revel in it. And whenever I enter a competition, I think, I was like, why are you doing this again? <laughs> I think that's why I love partner competitions, because it's on both of us. It's not just exactly. on me. No, yeah. I love is. those. Those are great. So one of the best partner competitions I ever did was with my brother, Pete. And we just kind of signed up. It was for Mold Bros. And we had three teams from the gym here. So we had James and Dylan, the other coaches here. We had... Max, remember Max? Max oh, I remember was, Max. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like he, he was like a French Amazing engine, athlete. like just go, right? And then he was partnered up with Andrew Nader, right? Who was yeah. also the coach at the time. And P and I, we had great. Now, we didn't, I think they, both those guys, both those teams beat us, but we really didn't care. We had no plan, nothing, right? And I think that was the most fun because we were like, we'd be doing our work and be like, 
and be like, say you have to do 50 burpees and 50 deadlifts and like run. I don't know. Like just, I can't remember any of the workouts. We are like, Pete, I don't know. How many reps do you want to do? He's like, I don't know. I'll just go until I get tired to tag you in. I was like, sure. Be talking to the other guys. They're like, I'm going to do 18 reps, tag you in. We're going to do like the transition on the fly. And Pete and I were like, just look at me when you're tired and let me go. Right? That's pretty much how Amanda and I run our sessions. <laughs> we we both uh, like to think we're forming a plan and then we get into it and realize that plan's not going to work. All right, let's just go. We've started so many partner workouts, her and I, with what do you want to do? I don't know. Let's just go. We'll figure it out. And we always do. And I've done competitions with Adam, Adam Ferguson. So much fun. Same thing. Let's just go. We'll figure it out. We trust each other. And, uh, and let's just work it out. And the partner competitions have been so much fun. If I, I do comps again, and I'm sure I will, uh, those are the competitions I tend to go for, are yeah, the, I, the partner I, ones. I think it'll be the same. If I do another one, it'll be a partner one. Yeah. And it has to be, like, someone who's in it just for fun because I find, like, I do better when, like, there's no pressure, right? The pressure, I, I'm not a big fan of it. However, I always put far more pressure on myself than anybody else ever puts on me. For sure. I think that's just human nature, though. We're our biggest, um, like, we critique ourselves the hardest, right? Oh, and that's one of the things I've learned most in the last bunch of years, just getting into my 40s and through all the stuff of, of injury and training and, and competitions is, is just to not be so hard on myself and trust myself more. Uh, trust that when I set out to do it, I can do it. It's okay. It's okay to have doubts, but you've got to do it anyway. Um, but just to trust myself. And I think that's where you learn to grow too. For sure. That's, like, that's the balance of it all, right? It's, well, the, the, I've, I've found the, the balance is recognizing that the balance is never going to be the same, right? The balance, the, the non-balance I had when my kids were little is not the same at all as the balance I had five years ago, is not the balance I had a year ago. The pendulum is always going to swing. Um, the trick for me has been to not let it swing too far in any one direction for too long. There are times when you are going to have to focus on work a lot more than anything else. September and January are crazy months for me for work. Mm -hmm. I, I have to know that I can't make the gym four days a week in those months. I just can't. And expecting myself to is going to make me miserable. And Christmas or, or holiday times, I tend to focus more on, you know, the kids and family. And and work slows down a little bit. So the pendulum swings another way. And and. To, f to force myself or pigeonhole myself into, I will work out four days a week. I will work my core three days a week. I'm setting myself up for failure because that's not life. Life doesn't work like that. Some days I'm going to get five days a week. Some days I'm, or some weeks I'm only going to get three. That's okay. I've stopped beating myself up for those um, because that you, you have to live a real life and real life is not strict goals and, and that's, why, that's why I don't like goals as much anymore. I've moved away from goals. I've moved towards processes. Yeah. Um, well, like the process is, should be the part that like should be the fun. Yeah, right? exactly. Because think about I heard this um, talked about and um, Tim Grover. Do you know who he is? No, I don't. Actually. So he was the coach of Michael Jordan, Kobe uh -huh. Bryant, um, like all those guys, like yeah. the greatest, right? And he always talks about like he brought this up in a point he was like, how long do athletes stand on the podium? Seconds. Seconds. And so he's like, the, the end result should not be what you love. Like, that should be an incentive, but it's like you have to love the process to keep going. And, and like, the way you're describing it there, life 
It's always changing, right? And but you have to embrace it and you have to love it. And like that's why we say transfer adversity, conflict, crafts, character, and exactly. nothing's ever gonna go as planned. Exactly. Exactly. And, and rolling with it when it doesn't go as planned is just part of the trick. Yeah, and that's one thing I've always um loved about you is that you like there's things wouldn't go wrong or it's like oh this is going wrong you just like ah laugh okay well we gotta deal with it it's like been a shit day but hey we're here might as well dance yeah right? well i made a career out of you know people having shit days that's <laughs> that was my career so uh when things go wrong that's that's where i stepped into it yeah. usually so and now what career was that well that was uh, that was being a paramedic uh for 17 years here in the city uh and uh, now i'm a college professor so now my role has transitioned to to teaching the new ones versus being one myself. So. Now, do you like, I know it's a totally different, and you're a paramedic for 17 years. I will, yeah. like, you're probably getting towards burnt out. To, in the oh, end hell yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that That's the ebb and flow of that career as well as you go through periods of, of being burnt out and hating it and, and, uh, and all of the, the negatives that go along with it. But there's lots of positives about it, too. There's I have lots of amazing experiences in that job. Met incredible people, both my colleagues and the public. Uh, I, some of the, most of the stories I have, my best stories and my favorite stories, none of them are anything to do with, with grossness or, or any uh, blood or guts or gore. None of that is the best stuff. The best stuff is the people I got to meet. Uh, the stories I get to carry of my patients that they they told me in the back of the ambulance just just on a regular old day, uh, but I get to carry those stories of those people long after they're gone or have left my care, and that's the cool part. That's the really cool part. And that's what you're always going to remember. That's what I remember. That's what I took with me from my career. Oh, that's awesome. And now, do you find you're applying that to the new? I guess, what do you call them? The students, recruits? Yeah, yeah, the the new recruits, the new crop. Um, I do. I try and tell my stories. Um, I think storytelling is a uh, great education, especially in a job that I cannot possibly train them for every situation they'll be in. Uh, what I have to do is give them a baseline that will work in any situation and that when they get in a scary point or a, a really serious call, and their brain takes a complete dump and they've forgotten everything, they will go back to the first thing they've learned, which is this stepwise approach I've taught them that will work in any call. It may not be the best or fastest approach in every call, but it will work for every single call they do because invariably you'll get in a situation that will your brain will just go blank because you are too scared, too nervous, adrenaline's flowing, and you're, you know how it feels sometimes where you, you just go blank. Um, but you can't do that when someone is in front of you and, and really hurt and needing your help. So that first thing you learn is often the, often the thing that sticks with you the most. And I try and keep that in mind in everything I say to them, that the, my words might be the thing that are in their brain when they're trying to deal with a situation. And I know that because it's my teacher's words back from, you know, just passing it on. To, to year 2000, like 20 years ago, I still occasionally have the words of my original teachers and my preceptor in my head doing these things. So. Oh, that's awesome. No, that's great. Um, thanks for so much for jumping on this, Alexis. This was Hi. so fun, Bob. Yeah. Thank you for having me. No, we'll definitely do another one. So I'd love that. That'd be All great. Right. Cheers, everyone. Okay.